split your list into different audiences or different publications that are going to be interested in different parts of your campaign and then tailor your template accordingly. Then once you've tailored your template, then you can send out in a mass kind of, you know, multiple kind of emails at one time. Welcome to Unmiss, your go-to digital marketing hub. I'm Anatoly Ulatovsky, here with expert tips and exclusive chats to boost your online game. Let's get started. Hello, good people. Welcome to our show. Hello, bad people. Welcome to our show. Hello, welcome. Guys, we are going today to discuss more about SEO. We are going to touch topics about personalization because I don't know how to win today without personalization. It doesn't matter what kind of SEO you do, link building, content, it doesn't matter. You need to personalize your message to customers and to win them to retain uh, as much as possible. I'm so excited to discuss a lot more with Aysel Lavahun. How are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Ah, doing great. Looking forward to learn more about that. For me, it's important to get new skills. I'm working in SEO in many years. Many things change. And when I started my journey, I didn't consider personalization. I mm -hmm. want to be honest because that was simple to cheat the system, <laughs> the game, <laughs> to manipulate algorithms. Today, I can't ignore it. I can't ignore. It doesn't matter what I do. If I do link building, email marketing, PR, anything, I need to personalize my message. If I create content, uh, I do it as well. For example, I have once I help one project, online games. And according to uh, average data, uh, almost youngsters play online games, uh, so uh, like Gen Z. Uh, but on these games, card games, uh, only adults played like plus 50 years. <laughs> so and uh, we didn't personalize the message. We got a bad user experience. Then started to research more to understand. Oh. No way, our audience is uh, uh, consists from adult people, so we need to personalize message for them. So many things, it's very important today. I said, before we start, just tell more about your self-experience, background, about your positive mindset, about your smile, and anything that can help our listeners to learn more about you. Yeah, of course. So yes, my name is Isa. I have been in SEO for about a hundred years, no, about 15 years. I've been in it a very long time. Um, I've worked or started working for an agency, learned all my craft there. My specialism lies in content and sort of outreach and um, link building, PR, comms, all that kind of stuff. Um, I very much come um, into SEO from sort of two ends. One is obviously search, you know, driving online visibility for your website. But the other part of it is for it to make sure that it works hand in hand with brand. You know, your website is part of your brand. Your brand is part of your website. And actually they should work well, really well together. Uh, and that's one of the reasons why I'm kind of going to be talking about personalization because that's really entwined in, in your branding, essentially. Yeah, nice. Uh, you know, I like your experience and I have a bunch of questions to you. Uh, for me, it's important to know uh, how uh, to do it, how to handle the process, especially in uh, PR, link building, uh, in email marketing. I don't know how to win today without personalization. Mm -hmm. uh, we can find a bunch of templates uh, and I use them, but I personalize. I have just the frame. I can uh, start from this frame and personalize as much as possible. So I, I use even personalization 
for uh, getting speakers on my podcast. I, uh, I spoke with Neil Patel, Rand Fishkin, Craig Campbell, Lily Ray, uh, Jeff Coyle, m- m- many great experts because of personalization of uh, spending time to learn recipients before reaching out. And I said, uh, I want to ask you uh, how to do it without experience. For example, if I want to start any link building, it doesn't matter uh, what kind of link building PR, uh, tell how to start learning recipients before sending any message. Okay, so first thing is, at the end of the day, Google follows audiences. You know, we as SEOs follow Google, we follow Google algorithm, and actually all Google does is follow its audience and try to give the audience what it wants. So I think before even any kind of thing is to take a step back and do a bit of persona insight and do like who your customers are. Um, And what we do kind of in marketing is we sort of sit in a room as in traditional marketing. So when, how you sort of started first of all with with marketing, it's like, here's a product that we're selling. Who are our customers? A, B, C, let's kind of target and go out to them. Actually, when we're in the search world, you can find out so much more about who your customers actually are by search demand and the kind of queries people are asking. So instead of just having an ABC in terms of your customer base, I think the first thing to do is kind of take a step back and actually really find out, number one, who your customer is. And yes, absolutely, your core customer is very, very important. But secondly, who else can you widen the reach to based on the kind of content and kind of comms and messaging that you send out? So who else is your product or service going to help that you're not actually thinking about in the first hand? And it's thinking about how you personalize your message, basing it on different audiences that you could actually reach to without, without it being at the first thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, can you share uh, how to learn? Uh, customers because I think it's important to learn uh, as much as possible but for me uh, you know uh, we need to find the balance between quality and quantity for example I can't send uh, one email per day for link building goals uh, because I think even one day it's not enough to learn about recipients uh, but uh, if I spend so much time to do it I can get great results Uh, I think it's important to have this balance between spending time and learning i know some builders can do it for five minutes someone can do it for 10 minutes it, yeah. it depends on experience but tell your insights how to do it i mean like uh, and how much time to spend for that okay so if we're talking about so obviously one end is talking about your audience and then second of it is talking about so from a pr point of view is knowing the journalists right the publishers yeah. and the writers so how i do it and the thing is obviously there is different forms of link building and you know i'm not here to kind of say that this is absolutely the only way you should do it but the way i do it is from very much that pr background and how we do it in sort of pr world is getting to know the journalist so if i'm going to send an email to about to national news let's say i wouldn't just blanket send them one email to all the news Uh, giants thinking it's going to get to them. I would do like four or five different template emails suiting different types of journalists. So let's say for instance, um, for example, I'm working with a client who um, they kind of deal with debt management. Yeah. And they're writing a story, a campaign about how to avoid Christmas debt. So obviously we're in Christmas, people are spending lots of money. 
people are probably going to spend too much money. We're in a cost of living crisis. And actually people are probably going to get, it's true that a lot of people are probably going to get into debt because they're spending too much money, right? So we're creating a story around that. And then as, as the client is kind of deals with debt management, they're creating top 10, top 10 tips on how to kind of, you know, you know, not, not get into debt over Christmas, right? You've got that as the main story, but then who are you going to send that to if you're kind of going to do outreach? You don't just send one blanket email because there's potentially five different audiences. So one is people who write finance um, blogs, uh, finance sections of national tabloids. So it will be the kind of money journalist. So money finance journalists would be one audience, right? Another one would be family parenting, because obviously a lot of parents feel the pressure, right? They feel the pressure to spend money on their kids and make their kids the first Christmas. So then you would tailor another kind of outreach to kind of family out there, right? Another one would be sort of charities. So there may be loads of different charities out there. They're kind of dealing with, you know, people who are kind of dealing with poverty. And then you as debt management can come in and go, okay, if you're kind of needing to spend Christmas on a budget. Here's how you can do Christmas on a budget. And then you would have more sort of the national um, big newspapers. They're going to be talking about Christmas anyway, because obviously Christmas is here. So then you would be talking at it more from a statistic point of view, like how many people in the UK are spending money? How many people spent money last year? And here's how you could avoid, uh, you know, becoming coming into debt so as you can see already in terms from an outreach point of view there's four different kind of email templates that you should be creating to send out if you just create one blanket email there's there, you know i'm not saying there's zero chance that you might not get a coverage and you might not get conversion but actually you're decreasing your chances of getting coverage because you're not personalizing your message to all these different journalists so that's how i would kind of look at it and do it yeah, I have a lot more questions about PR, <laughs> and I, you know, personally, I love people who have background in PR because uh, all these experts know how to bring something new, valuable. They don't care about rewriting; it doesn't work, especially in PR, and it doesn't work in SEO. You need mm -hmm. to bring something new, valuable, and journalists never publish something generic. Uh, they, uh, you can't cheat them. <laughs> These guys are so smart, you know, to figure out if it's. Uh, and, and I want to be honest, you know, when I started my PR, uh, mm -hmm. I failed. I failed many okay. times. I, I even I can't count how many times I wrote a bunch of press releases. I pitched all of them, and I got zero mentions, zero results. But I acquired experience, how it works. I uh, learned and practiced, learned and practiced uh, for a long time. Then uh, one of our PR campaigns got plus 50 uh, links and mentions from big resources like uh, CNN, Bloomberg, wow. uh, investing.com, because we can help a lot of clients in investing trading niche. And we got like plus uh, 10 backlinks. Um, uh, not backlinks, mentions. In most cases, mentions because it, it's tough to get uh, backlink from CNN. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. It, yeah, yeah. I, I don't care a lot. It's a link or uh, uh, you know or a mention because if you get any mention from CNN, it works a lot. You know, <laughs> it helps a lot. So and uh, I, I want to ask about crafting the right PR message uh, and. For example, I learned a lot from Ferry Cazone. He's good with that. Uh, and uh, what I found, uh, he can simplify this message. He doesn't share a lot of insights, but he's good with sharing very simple, unique, 
message, you know, uh, short study, very short study about trending topic and share some tips uh, to submit uh, expert quote. Uh, I tried, I failed to get uh, results like this. Uh, it doesn't mean that uh, uh, we need to use only one style and I found many PR specialists can yeah. play with their four months. Uh, so, and uh, how we did uh, differently, uh, we had experts who can post content on great publications like Forbes, Investopedia. So we reached out to them, uh, agreed about the price, and they usually write press releases. We submitted, uh, and we played with format, uh, uh, and today, yeah, we get great results. It's like our main link building strategy. So tell for someone who is not familiar how to do it, how to research the topic for journalists, because you know we started to share that it's important to personalize the message for customers. Uh, then for uh, right now we switch attention to journalists, but it's part of the process. So tell how to write this press release that journalists wanna publish. Right, press. I personally think uh, journalists are less likely to to sort of post press releases as they are yeah. essentially you know i've i've actually been to many talks with journalists who tell us how their days are and what they what they look for they're very very time poor so essentially the way you need to look at yourself as an outreach pr specialist is that you kind of if say there's a journalist that's running out the door you're outside the door and you've got everything that they need to go and write their story so if it's that them kind of picking it up from you and going and writing about it so you need to make life as easy for them as possible they don't have time to read really long you know information they don't have time to kind of go out and find and, and sort of um, tie the nut you need to do everything for them and then they'll go thank you I'll take this package and then use you as a kind of resource uh, or you know citation so I would say every time you kind of do it you know with a journalist is make everything short and very very snappy I don't think personally journalists pick up press releases because if they do they're not really doing their job you're mm -hmm. giving them information for them yeah. them to, to take that and then convert it into a story. So essentially what you're doing is you're giving them information to, to give credit and credibility and to give a bit of sort of background information to the story that they're writing about. Because the thing with journalists, they're not experts in anything. They just write the news, right? So if you're an expert in anything or you've got data that kind of expands the story or the narrative that they're trying to share and you can present it to them in a really digestible way. This is the thing that's super important. You can have loads of information, loads of data. You can be an expert, but if you're not kind of getting that across in a really clear, concise, digestible way, journalists do not have the time or the sort of bandwidth to kind of do it. So I think in simplest form, think about how you make life easier for them. For us, we want to set, here, here's our product, here's our client, mention them. They're not going to think about, that's not going to help them. It's thinking about how we help them and what we can give to them. And when you think in that mindset, you're more likely to create content and create assets that they're more likely to kind of pick up a lot quicker. Mm -hmm. Nice. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Um, let's talk about, um, you know, I, I want to ask your uh what's about why people still uh, are sending this uh spam messages uh, templates because uh, it's frustrated when i open my email uh, every single day i get plus 100 messages uh, uh, of course uh, i found the way how to handle i usually lead them to my mm -hmm. spam 
in mm-hmm. box, you know, mm-hmm. the best place where they can spend time together, you know. Uh, and uh, I usually can figure out by reading headline. <laughs> For me, it's enough to, to understand it's spam or not in headline. If I can't, then uh, I can open and for a few seconds I can understand. Oh, yeah. no, 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 it's a new spam. Uh, right. <laughs> let's ignore it or right. delete or uh, spam in box. It doesn't matter. So tell how to do it right uh, today if we need <laughs> to reach out many recipients. But how to do it right? Uh, don't create this feeling. It's template that uh, related to many other spam messages. Uh, and because it's not only about email, I get totally the same messages on LinkedIn, uh, on other social media. And uh, sometimes I can ignore LinkedIn messages for a few weeks because for me, it's tough to (laughs) recognize whether are good messages or not. So your tips, how to do it right? (laughs) Well, how to send mass emails, basically. Yes, yes. How to send a lot of emails, but personalized experience, you know, to satisfy intent recipients like me, you know, who are busy. I have like 20 minutes a day to check right. my email right. uh, and uh, I don't care if someone can tell, look at, I know you're a specialist in fashion. Let me help you with that. Me, my, my t-shirt costs like $5. <laughs> I'm not a specialist in fashion. Uh, I don't know guys why you are sending me such messages. You don't know me. Right. I don't know how yeah. you phoned my email even like this. <laughs> so Yeah. I mean, I think the first thing, again, this would be about taking a step back. How do you create a media list when you've got a campaign? Like, where do you get the idea that you think this person is going to be interested in your campaign? What is the reason you've got that person on your list? So I think that's, you know, people always think it's all about quantity. Let's get 500 email addresses and send it out. It's not about, it is absolutely not about that. Yes, you do have to send a high volume of emails to get results. Absolutely. I don't disagree with that. But I think you need to make sure that people that are on there are number one, relevant to what you're doing. And then number two, I think is what exactly what I was saying before. It's about segregating your email into templates. So I think for a massive big campaign that you're doing, you should have more than one template. You should have three, four, five templates, and then you should put different people in different lists. So exactly as I was saying, if you're someone that's an SEO that's into podcasting or an SEO that's into link building or SEO that's into video content, whatever your campaign is saying, you need to be making sure that that messaging is particularly based on what that particular publisher journalist is interested in. So let's say I have a piece of research, right? Uh, And I have five, 10 statistics, right? Not all those statistics are going to be relevant to every single one I'm going out to. So I'm only going to pick the stats or the information or the data that's going to be relevant to that audience. Yes, I'll include the press release at the end that has everything. But then what I'll make sure to do is find the information that's more relevant to that person I'm sending it out to. So they don't have to look at it and then read a whole bunch of stuff to find something that they're interested in. So let's say I sell um, fitness equipment. Um, for instance, um, I, if I'm selling fitness equipment and I'm set, I'm selling into, I don't know, uh, women's lifestyle or mother and baby lifestyle, I'd be sending it talking about stats about how you can start exercising, you know, 30% of the research I've done has said that, you know, um, 
women who've had children can start going to the gym, you know, approximately three months after having a baby. If they like, if that's one of the stats, they're not going to be interested in any of the other fitness related kind of data. It's not nothing to do with them. They're just going to be interested in that one stat or two stats. What you do is take the key information relevant to that audience and then you filter through who you're going to send that to into different lists. So that would be the most important thing. Then you use that information to create whatever your email headline is going to be that's going to be relevant to the topics that they write about. So I think that would be the easiest way. Go to your media list. Make sure that who you've got on your media list actually will be interested in your campaign. Split your list into different audiences or different publications that are going to be interested in different parts of your campaign and then tailor your template accordingly. Then once you've tailored your templates, then you can send out in a mass kind of, you know, multiple kind of uh, emails at one time. Awesome. So valuable. Uh, you know, I can speak about this topic for a few days. <laughs> Guys, if you have a lot of questions about that, you can follow Aisa on uh, social media, on LinkedIn. Uh, keep learning. Uh, but I want to switch my attention to your main direction, search strategy. Uh, for me, it's very important because I see when companies uh, use their own strategy and can waste like for a few years. And uh, I often see it when someone can come to me and ask, please help me. I don't know what's going on. I spent like two years, but I can't get results. And when I see their strategy, it's, I don't know, it's like chasing uh, high volume keywords uh, without understanding your customers. Uh, for example, once I got uh, 16K for my consultancy service uh, for online games. And what I did first, I didn't learn audience. I started to play these games. I want to understand why people are playing these games. Uh, yeah. Then my son uh, saw me and told me, what's going on? You told me it's better to read books. Uh, you told me you never play online games. Why you are playing games? Uh, I replied to him, you know, I got 16K for that. What? I play all my life and nobody can pay me even a penny. Uh, I always play for games. So, yeah. And for me, it's important to understand the product. Then I can learn uh, customers, audience, and you mentioned, for example, uh, examples about fitness. So uh, can yeah. you tell how you do it? I mean, like, do you start uh, uh, to use some fitness programs, uh, I don't know, uh, or consume any other supplements uh, related to fitness? Uh, so let us know how you learn products before learning even customers. Yeah, so I think in terms of doing that, there's kind of two sides to it. There's obviously sort of the brand strategy and then your search strategy has to align with that. Mm -hmm. So obviously phase one would be sort of the brand immersion, what you were talking about, which is going in and actually testing the product, getting involved, really becoming a customer and really kind of having a feel of what that is. So, you know, if you're any kind of marketer, you're also going to be a consumer. So I think the first thing is kind of to put your consumer hat on. And even if you don't, the, you're not the audience for that product or service, you need to then kind of think how as a customer I would do that. Then I do a, a whole bunch of search and social listening. So by search and social listening, things like answer the public, I use Google Trends, obviously. I use Quora, if I'm saying it right, Quora, <laughs> Reddit, Reddit. 
and just find out what people's bugbears are. I think that's the key thing. Instead of becoming, no, you know, it's been proven that if you go as any kind of brand and you're selling and you kind of have a very salesy message, you know, consumers are very smart now. They're not going to listen to you. And also it's very, very, very saturated. So I think instead of doing that, you want to help customers with their problems. And it's thinking about how I can help customers with the problems that they're asking online, right? Yeah. So what I would do is look at social listening. So let's say I am, let's go back to the fitness equipment, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and this is kind of, again, for like a sort of case, sort of case study that I've done before. So say it's fitness equipment. You kind of think fitness equipment, and I think the first kind of initial thing you think about is maybe personal trainers, gyms, um, you know, PTs, or people who are sort of very savvy and very sports minded. It's essentially you're really going to think about who that, you know, that's going to be your key customer. But actually, if you do social listening uh, and you kind of type in, you know, fitness equipment for, you would have fitness equipment for over 50, fitness equipment for people who've had an injury and in hip rehabilitation, uh, fitness for mental health, fitness equipment for pregnant women. You've already got four or five topics just by seeing what people are searching for, right? You already know that that could potentially be a customer if you are um, kind of just doing that sort of search and social insight. Then once you sort of look at that search insight and what people are sort of typing and searching for what keywords are coming up, then you use kind of social media. So whether it's TikTok, whether it's um, Instagram, whether it's Facebook, you kind of just listen out. You're listening out what questions people are asking each other, what questions people are asking your competitors, what questions people um, want answered that other brands and your competitors aren't answering. And that's how you start thinking about sort of your search strategy. Now, obviously, in terms of what you, how you prioritize and what kind of narrative and campaign and content you create around that. Yeah, I wouldn't say, you know, start writing content that has one search volume a month, obviously. But then writing content that is, you know, the highest search volume isn't exactly the right strategy either, because you're going to be competing with so many people who are already so far ahead of you. So the so the, the, the kind of key is somewhere in the middle where you're finding kind of search queries or terms or kind of problems that people want answered but that have got kind of some sort of sort of you know search volume but that you can answer in a unique way so you can give that answer to differently than maybe your competitors can and that's kind of going to be your USP that's going to be what's going to make you stand out to others and that's how I would prioritize what I push as a as a you know as a you know brand or as a, as a website so that thing that that would be the kind of key thing in how I would prioritize my kind of search strategy. Then obviously, with whatever, whatever website you have, you know, the most important, can Google find it? Is it structured in the right way? You know, when people go on your website, are they enjoying it? Are they having a good user experience? Have you got have you laid it out and structured it in a way that people can understand it and navigate through it easily? Is your content engaging? Is your content helping anyone? Is your content um, of use? 
is your content saying something that's different to your cost, uh, to your competitors? And then obviously the third and final one would be like making sure you get that message out there and making sure that people are coming to you and linking to you and socially sharing your content. And it's thinking about all the different ways you can do that via whether it's link building, PR, comms, branding, email, anything that you can do to kind of drive people back to your website. And that would be kind of the final piece of the sort of puzzle, I would say. Yeah, you know, I think you learned a lot about uh, fitness equipment because I see how you look, you know, uh, so <laughs> you're in, in good shape. So <laughs> I think you learned this topic <laughs> better than anybody else. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, I want to ask about uh, priorities. Uh, mm -hmm. You mentioned, yeah, uh, how to research, how to understand. And for me, it's important to uh, have priorities and uh, for example um, i often see when someone can add to content plan like 100 topics uh, but having one two copywriters in a team um, and usually tell them it's not good idea you, we can't create a lot of content at scale if we speak about quality quality takes time mm. and less but quality is key but if you wanna cover all topics it's not good idea and you mentioned about sales funnel uh mm. content should sell yeah if i understand uh, and i for example once i spoke with a webmaster who lost 400 000 traffic but he didn't lose any sales so he got a lot of traffic and he couldn't convert this traffic so mm. the traffic was not related to mm -hmm. uh his products and i think uh, uh, it's a good idea to create less con uh, content but quality and content uh, that can cover sales funnel, uh, help customers in their uh, buying journey, um, where you can submit your call to action to uh, sell something. Because if you get traffic, I don't care about traffic, uh, likes, comments, if I can't sell. So <laughs> the main goal is to sell. So tell your methods how to prioritize things and how to figure out that content is related to sales funnel. Cool. So then in that way, then you kind of look at it the other way around. around. So whatever product or service you have, you literally, again, go back to the brand immersion going, what am I selling? How is it helping people? Uh, how is it making people's lives easier? Um, and how am I changing their life? And I know, obviously, that kind of seems a bit like, you know, spiritual and all that kind of stuff. But you really do need to think about it from that personal way. Like, how am I kind of going to improve the customer? And then that's how you sort of prioritize the content, you know, as well as obviously what we've talked about in terms of finding out who your audience is, is how, that's how you kind of figure out what content you're going to get. Then the next thing is like, obviously, um, you know, in SEO world, we're big fans of, you know, nice 2000 words, 1000 word content, right? And the reason why we've been sort of, you know, focused and kind of <laughs> to do it that way, it's because that's what Google likes, right? That is how Google can tell that you are an expert in a certain field because you write loads and loads of content on your website and Google can read it. Great. However, the customer has changed over the years. You know, the internet isn't the same as it was when Google first came about in 1997. That At that time, it was literally a, a web page with a list of links that you went to that was, it was useful to you. We all think and act so differently now. So I think you've got to, in terms of that sales funnel and creating content, we need to adapt and um, 
adapt it to how customers are now. So for instance, you know, our attention span is so much shorter now. I think the average person in the last time there was something said about this, like eight second attention span. So sometimes it's not about a thousand word, you know, content or blog post. Sometimes if it's a how to, it's a one minute video or two minute video or a step-by-step guide in kind of bullet points or some kind of graphic to kind of show you how to do something. If I'm, say, I think the other day, um, I was at my parents' house and the gas, uh, the boiler broke, right? Uh, And I was really just trying to find out how do I fix, I can see this problem F25 is coming on the screen. How do I fix this? And when I was searching for it, all the all the kind of results that was coming with like a long one thousand word, it was not useful to me. I'm not I'm not an expert in fixing a boiler. I don't know. I'm really I'm the kind of that really bottom level customer that has any kind of understanding for that topic. So how would that? What would have helped me at that point is a quick thirty second. 40 second video that says when you have an S75 in your boiler, that probably means one of two things, this, this, and this, that for me would have been so much more useful than, you know, a thousand word blog post with, you know, with a thousand word guide. And I think that's how we need to think about it from a sales funnel funnel point of view. What sort of content is number one going to make that consumer or that potential consumer really trust you as a brand and really get to know that you know what you're talking about? Yeah. And number two, what's going to make them remember you? Because I think when you think about the sales funnel, you're not always going to get content conversion straight away. Right. Sometimes you will. But actually, a lot of the time, it will be the first time that consumer is introduced to you as a brand. So you need to create any kind of content that makes you memorable, that they then know, oh, okay, the next time I need, say, like, if that video with the boiler, it was like, you know, they do, they're the company that go and find, um, um, uh, what plumbers in your area? Let's say that's what that's what the company did, right? And if I've gone to that company and found that video that was really useful to me, the next time I think, oh, I need a plumber, I know that I'm going to go back to that brand because they were so used, they were so helpful to me with that kind of video. I know actually, I do trust them. I'm going to go back to them. So when you're thinking about that sales funnel, that's what's super super important in terms of what content is going to help. Um, an order a consumer as quickly as possible uh, as relevant as possible and also that's going to be memorable that's going to make them kind of think of you for the next time and I think the closer you get to that um, the more you're likely to get a converting customer that's not to say I disagree with long-form content I don't and sometimes Mm -hmm. there is need for it and sometimes you do need it and of course to a certain extent you do need it for Google to kind of, you know, find you, recognize you. But I think it isn't the be all and end all. So you really need to be thinking about how you can get that customer to trust you based on the kind of format of content that you create. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, love it, love it. And you remind me of my personal story when I searched on Google about Tesla. And (laughs) uh, yeah, I tried to buy a new Tesla. uh, And uh, I, I... uh, I was curious, can I use this self-drivers feature in Florida? And mm. I couldn't find the answer on Google. So I spent time. I, I got a lot of content, right. long content, but yeah. I need a simple answer. Thank so you. That's it. 
Yeah, and you know what he did? I came to uh, Bart and asked this question to get reply for a few seconds. So uh, I think, uh, you know, when someone can tell that AI bots come with Google, I'm not sure about that. <laughs> you know, if I get answer for a few seconds on chat bots, I think AI bots can tell some part of the trade. Uh, yeah. It's possible because uh, chat bots can reply uh, to some questions in simple way, very yeah. fast. And sometimes better. Of course, we have some inaccurate results. I, I agree, but it's only beginning. <laughs> Who knows? Exactly. exactly. Yeah. And I said, I want to ask about. Uh, okay, let, let's forecast the future. Uh, if we started to speak about that, and I think SEO usually do it a lot. Mm -hmm. You know, to forecast the future, we get these questions from customers. Uh, how much traffic I can get? How many sales I can get? I usually reply. It depends. I don't know. <laughs> it depends on you, not me. I, I can lead you in the right direction, but if you don't create high quality content, nobody can help you. Marketers, the best experts can help you. For example, if someone if someone wants to lose weight, you can find the best nutritious. You can find the best experts. But if you don't eat healthy food, if you don't drink water and uh, train hard, you can't. You can't. Nobody. Yeah, it's it doesn't matter. You, Let's speak about how to learn foreign language, French. How you can you can learn French without uh, spending time to learn French? Experts can tell. Okay, you can go this direction. You need to read, to listen, to learn. I don't know. It depends. But you need to do this you job do yourself. It, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, yeah. And I wanna ask your prediction about the future. Uh, I think. Uh, I disagree. When someone can tell, SEO will be never that. Everything has then, but it takes time. Probably decades to change habits. You know, most people don't change habits fast. But today, according to data, uh, twelve percent of people use AI bots to get replies, as I did, because I was not satisfied with Google. It's not the first time. Uh, I often ask many questions on ChatGPT, on Bart. Uh, yeah. I even speak with this tool more often than with my wife. You know, yeah. a lot of questions. <laughs> so, tell your prediction about the future and how we can adapt to this possible future. So yes, I mean, obviously, the future. Funnily enough, it's so funny you said that about chatbots. I actually recently did a talk about how TikTok is taking Google market share yeah. because forty percent of Gen Zs don't even use Google um, for their search queries. They 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 now go straight to TikTok, uh, and then yeah, obviously, chatbots, same thing. So what is that telling you? The, the big thing that's telling you is the whole mindset the behavior change of speed we want things quickly we want things yesterday we want things answered as quickly and as efficiently as possible and google needs to catch up to that so obviously you know google's got its own chatbot so i think that's gonna definitely be some part of its search kind of evolution using i chatbot when people are searching i think like i say with voice search hasn't actually taken off as much as they probably thought it would but I think incorporating their kind of AI chatbot when people search queries is going to be some sort of what, you know, the future of sort of SEO is. I also think, um, and this is kind of what I was saying before, social media and search need to kind of merge at some point. I don't know how it's going to do it, but it doesn't make sense to me that if I'm searching how to fix um, my, how to fix the tire of my car, 
if there's a YouTube video or a TikTok video that really answers that, that's got tons and tons of likes and shares. I don't understand why that doesn't come at the top of our search results. Yes, if you click videos, it comes up, but actually why is, if that's the best answer, um, why isn't that emerging the SERPs? You know, why is it a long form content from a year, two years ago? So I think there needs to be some sort of merge of how social media engagement, shares, kind of gets into sort of, not just Google, but gets into the search engine psyche. Now, I, I will say there's a caveat to that, which is, um, you know, credibility and misinformation. I think the search, the social platforms like TikTok, Instagram, to some extent, YouTube, need to find a way of making sure that whatever information we're putting out, because everyone here, everyone now is an expert, yeah. right? Yeah, if I have, you know, a camera, uh, I can come in and say that I'm an astronaut and read from the internet. And if I do it in a convincing way, some people might believe me, right? So obviously yeah. that needs to be that needs to be sorted out in terms of how, um, you know, social platforms validate and sort of back and sort of fact check information that's user generated information, essentially. I think there is a way to do that. And I think there will be a way to automate that. Once that's done, I think Twitter at the moment, when someone tweets something or X, um, if Twitter believes it's not accurate, there's now a note where you kind of see actually the information that's been tweeted here might not be right. I think if other social platforms do that, um, it could be then be a way for Google to kind of merge that with some sort of sort of you know in terms of the search results. Um, and also then the final thing again back to where we started from the beginning which is personalization right i think we all search in a different way we all uh, want different things we all want different things at a different speed so uh, my friend was telling me that um, so she's going traveling in um december with her family they're going away for a few two three weeks um and i went traveling last year but when I was looking for my information, I just went on TikTok. I, le I listened to my like, you know, one minute, you know, sort of videos and I got my information. Whereas my friend said that she she was watching 10 minute videos on YouTube while she was plaiting her daughter's hair. So then that, that shows you that two different audiences that have got two different timescales of when they're looking for information. And I think sort of search and social platforms probably need to think about how they attract those different audiences at those times with the content that they serve them. You know, I might have some time and want to listen to a 15 minute video or I might have some time and want to read, you know, long form content because I'm in the mood to do that. But sometimes I don't. Sometimes I just want an answer very, very quickly. So I think future gazing, it has got to be about speed and accuracy and relevancy at a quickest pace. Because at the moment, whatever is winning, whether it be chatbots, whether it be TikTok, seems to be winning based on giving people answers quickly, clearly, uh, and kind of with key relevancy, kind of in real time, essentially. So yeah. I think, yeah, I think it lies in that. Nice, nice. I love it. Yeah. And uh, um, I think if content creators have experience to create high quality content for SEO, they can adapt to any channel, to TikTok, to AI bots, you can adapt because marketing is a quickly changing world. So uh, marketers on TV and radio didn't lose their jobs, they adapted to digital, we can adapt, 
but it's important to have this experience to acquire to play with new channels to think how you can adapt and SEO doesn't teach how to rank high of course it teaches but SEO teaches how to create high quality content yeah. how to uh, earn backlinks that will bring traffic create brand awareness so it's not only for SEO goals that we know like to rank high on Google m m many things SEO can help uh, I say I have my final question um, I always ask this question uh, because of two people. Uh, the, the first uh, person is student who is looking for ways how to learn from scratch, how to become an expert in one day. The second uh, founders who have websites, they want to rank to get results. But before finding the right experts, they need to learn the basic uh, to understand how it works. Uh, and from my experience, I get great results with people who understand how SEO works. So if they don't, I usually tell, okay, take my course, learn on Google, YouTube, it doesn't matter. Just mm -hmm. get the basic. Then we understand why we need to create high quality content, what kind of content to create, why it's important to think about traffic value than to get more traffic, many things. So mm -hmm. I want to ask you, if you started today from scratch without any experience, knowledge, skills, it's your first day in SEO. What will you do today if you started from scratch to get great results in the future? From scratch. Wow. Very good question. So I would say if I was to start and then again, this is me coming from, you know, a sort of more brand comms kind of experience. Um, I would say start there. Think about yourself as a, as a customer. The, so if you're you know, Googling something, you literally have the experience and you think about you're Googling something and then follow that journey. So if you're finding, if you're like, oh, I need to uh, book a holiday home or I need to buy a pair, new pair of sneakers, actually go through that, right? And then discover what was number one or what was in the top, you know, page and then kind of find out if you find that information useful. Really think about yourself as a customer first. Then once you've done that, again, I would I would definitely say um, any kind of sort of like whether it's SEO Moz, whether it's Hrefs, whether it's um, all the kind of sort of SEO tools have got tons and tons and tons and tons of free sources on YouTube, like literally tons and tons. But what I would say, I think one mistake that we make as SEOs is me kind of saying I work in marketing. Okay, are you email experts, CRM, are you PR, yeah. are you brand, are you, like no one would ever, if I kind of say I work in marketing, no one would ever expect me to know everything in marketing. And I think SEO should kind of have the same mindset. Yes, you need to understand the fundamentals of how SEO works. I know absolutely, I wouldn't say nothing, but me and tech SEO, I, I you know, been doing it 15 years and I wouldn't no if my if my website crashed i wouldn't even know where to start so i think thinking about what you want to specialize in is also important learn the fundamentals absolutely but you don't have to learn everything and i think sometimes when you're a beginner you probably do get overwhelmed by how much there is to learn about seo um you, as an seo you need to have the fundamentals but then you do also i think specializing in one area is kind of i think is the best strategy um are you a content person? Do you really, really like creating, writing, 
quality content? Um, are you some, someone that's been building websites or can build websites from scratch? Is that your kind of skill set? So that means that you could probably go down the technical route. Or if you're kind of a brand comms or someone that studied marketing or anything like that, then you could probably go in, you know, doing outreach and sort of content outreach and campaign and all that kind of stuff. Choose your specialism and then hone in on that after learning the sort of initial fundamentals. But first of all, think like a customer and work out how you would like Google to serve you and how you chose the top brands on Google. Nice. Uh, I, I couldn't agree more. I think, yeah, it's very important to focus. You mm. can be successful at any SEO fields, even uh, technical SEO uh, takes time to learn how it works. Uh, link building, we can divide to different strategies, PR, uh, guest posting. I don't know, by the way, I don't use guest posting, uh, <laughs> skyscraper, broken link building, any personalization. So yeah, I think uh, it's important to focus and I can feel that I'm jack of all trades because I manage people, <laughs> I, uh, you know, they can beat me in one side. They can beat in, in everything. Right. Um, but I like to cooperate with uh, people who are much better than me. No, if they can beat me, oh, I love it. I love it. But I, I can learn uh, results. I can control. I can manage. I can give some tips. But uh, I love when someone is much better than me in then, special field. But then that, yeah. your speciality means you're a strategist. That's what that means. That means that you can take a back seat. Mm -hmm. And you have the understandings and then you can sort of help manage and sort of empower people in each area to do the best they can. And, you know, not that, not, you know, obviously, because I, I, I love strategy, <laughs> but, you know, that's another skill set, right? That's another yeah. skill set that you have where you, you get the fundamentals, you're very tied into brand and marketing and consumerism, and then you can use that to kind of hone into all the different specialism in search. So, yeah. yeah. I would, I would say that. <laughs> uh, uh, it's a big pleasure to, to get on my show. I love it. So valuable. Thank Tell you the, <laughs> Yeah, I like your positive mindset. You're always smiling. So, guys, I recommend to anyone to follow <laughs> Isa on social media. Tell the best way how to keep learning from you, how to reach out to you, how to follow you. Yes, so you can follow me on Twitter, Isa Labs, or LinkedIn, or um, obviously my, I've got my own website, digiprcoms.com. Yes. Oh, <laughs> nice, guys. You can find all links in the description below. Listen to us on Apple, Google, Spotify. Thanks again for your time. Love it. So valuable. You, yeah, you, you know how to share valuable insights. You, you lead me to an emergency room. I need to spend time to think how to adapt all these new tips. <laughs> guys, I, you need to follow Isa because I do it. I follow, I wanna get more. So I recommend to anyone to follow, to keep learning because SEO is a quickly changing world. If you learn something new, you will be fine. It doesn't matter. AI, competitors, you need to adapt fast. Okay, guys, love you. See you. Thanks for tuning in to Unmess. Enjoyed the show? Drop us a review on your favorite platform and help us spread the digital marketing wisdom. See you next episode.